want to talk to you about a, a topic, and if I were to give you a title today, it's the title I gave your, your uh, media team, and it's Restored with the Father. Restored with the Father. This would be my title today. But I want to talk to you for just a moment about what I, I believe is it's, it's a strong deficiency in our current cultural context. It's, it's something we are lacking, and it's something that is causing much chaos and hurt and, and repeating damage and people who are damaged over and over and over. And so research today shows that over 18 million children, over 18 million children are being raised in a home where the father is absent. And that's just here in America. Over 18 million children. This means that one out of every four children under the age of 18 are without a biological, a step, or an adoptive father at home. The research goes on further to show us that children that are raised without the presence or the involvement of a father are at a much higher risk of destructive environments, behaviors, and choices. Without a father at home, these are a number of things that are faced by these one in four children. Four times greater risk of experienced poverty, two times at greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to have behavioral problems, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, two times more likely to drop out of school. Without the presence of a father in the home more likely to commit crime, more likely to go to prison, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. The reality of these facts, these statistics are staggering, but it speaks with a resounding clarity that we need a father. The role of the father is important. We do better when there is a father that is present in our lives. We, we understand and live in this reality physically, but we must also realize that this is true in the spiritual. We have need of a relationship with our father. Let me pause for just a moment and, and say this. We, we have a heavenly father who is the standard by which all fathers are measured, not the other way around. The unfortunate reality is many of us have had relationships that are dysfunctional with our earthly fathers, absent, abusive, or otherwise. Please understand that your heavenly father will not fail you, he will never forsake you. He will never take advantage of you. And he will never leave you destitute. Yet we seem to project our distrust 
and our skepticism upon our Heavenly Father. Those things that we have learned as a result of humanity, we have pushed that upon our Heavenly Father. But we we must realize, we must become secure in this understanding that our Heavenly Father, He loves us. He loves you. Look at your neighbor and say, He loves me. He loves you and desires to see you restored to a place of relationship and promise which He has declared over your life. Not what somebody else has said you would be or never amount to, but you would be what He has declared you to be from the very beginning of time. That Heavenly Father... That Heavenly Father that has declared over His creation what we could be, what we should be. Jesus teaches a parable in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 verses 11 through 32. And it's an account of really of tremendous heartbreak. And and while it's this account of tremendous heartbreak, it is also one which it gives forth this continuing triumph of the Father's love for His children. A parable in which there is forgiveness. A parable in which there is restoration. A parable which offers you and I hope today. Illustrating the faithful promise of Christ found in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 where Christ says, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This faithful promise of Christ, a a promise to willingly and faithfully carry our burdens. To carry our burdens no matter how heavy, no matter how hurtful, those burdens, no matter how shameful. He has promised if we would come to Him, He would carry them. You see, God is our Father. And as the perfect representation of a Father, He looks to provide for His children an enduring hope that knows no bounds. He's not just a father who looks to provide for your daily needs. Wow, I believe that I could get a witness in the house that would say, he has been faithful in my daily needs, but he is faithful in that he looks to provide for me something beyond my natural sustenance And it's a hope, it's a love which knows no bounds or no limits. That no matter, no matter the devastation of our lives, no no matter how others may look at us. Oh, I know, I've caught the looks. I've seen how people view me. I've, I've heard them as I've walked by and they've whispered, about me. I know you have too. You've you've seen how they dart their eyes and roll their eyes and make noises with their mouth and oh you know 
But it really does not matter the devastation in our lives and, and how people may look at us or talk about us. There remains something that is faithful and it's a welcome from the Father. A welcome to come and have fellowship and relationship with our Heavenly Father. This parable that I am referring to today is the parable known as that of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal. And the account goes something like this. The young man is born into a house that is obviously well to do. And there are two sons that are recorded in the parable. And one of the sons decides... He don't want to wait for dad to die to get his inheritance. He wants it now. Greedy little mooch bag. He is telling dad, I wish you were dead. As a matter of fact, what he's telling dad is, you're already dead to me. You're as good as gone already. Could you imagine that conversation? Man, that was one of my kids... It would have been reminiscent of the old days. There would have been a whooping happening. But there's this moment of rebellion that rises up within the heart of this child. And, and he says to dad, I want what's mine and I want it now. And I'm leaving. I'm done with you and I'm done with your house. And so dad, the father, this representation of the Heavenly Father gives to this child this portion of his inheritance. And the Bible says that the child leaves. He leaves the father's home. He travels to a far country. He lives his best life in sin. He lives what he thinks is his best life. Oh, he's got lots of friends. You know how it is when you're rolling with cash, you're flush with the greenbacks, you got all kinds of friends, but the minute you're broke, nobody wants to answer the phone. Nobody wants to help you. So he's got those friends, the best friends, right? Yeah, as long as you're buying, I'm going. So he's got those friends, and... And they're partying, they're living it up, they're living the good life until he runs out of money. And the Bible says that it's in this moment when he runs out of his inheritance that a great famine hits the land and there's no work, sustenance, food, it's hard to come by. Kind of sounds like a lot of what we're dealing with today. It seems like there's a drought in our land right now. But he finds himself in a very bad place. And understanding that this parable is framed within Jewish context, this next statement, while it may seem disturbing and disgusting, it, it becomes even more of a problem when you realize that he's sitting in a pig pen. He's attached himself to a man of that country that is raising pigs. As a Jewish man, he was forbidden to raise swine. He was forbidden to be around them. They were unclean. But here he finds himself 
not only tending them, taking care of them, but he finds himself sitting in the pig pen so hungry that the waste, that the stuff that they call slop, he was so hungry that he would eat it. And it's in this moment of devastation and destitution, separated from the father, that something happens. There's what I like to call realization, repentance, and restoration. And I would submit to you this afternoon that within this parable and within this, the context of this story of the prodigal, that we should certainly see our lives within this account. Oh, I know I'm looking at a bunch of precious people. But y'all ain't perfect. Because if you, if you all were, you got the wrong guy in the pulpit because I'm not and there ain't no sense in me being up here if you're better, right? So, we see ourselves within the context of the prodigal. Realizing that there was relationship, there was something that was given, and there was something that was lost. And as a result of the loss, we are now destitute, broken, and we ought to be at a place of realization. Lives, our lives, that before Christ were, or maybe today you find your life still in this place, being lived on a collision course, with destruction. But the enduring and the restorative love of the Father. Ah, uh, there's something about this account that always brings me back when I realize He loves me, that He cares about me, and that there's nothing that can separate me from that love. It's hope. See, it's hope that says the Father still cares. It's hope that says the Father still loves. It's hope that says I still have an identity from the Father. It's, it's hope that says I can be restored. It's, it's hope that says I don't have to live this way anymore. It's hope that says I could have a better life. It, it's hope that says I could find a better way. Look at your neighbor and say, I have hope. Do you have hope? I have hope. This parable reminding each of us that there is a call to restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. Hope, hope, huh? hope. I, I love just the concept of hope because it tells me that in my darkness I will rejoice because in my darkness my Bible says that He will be my light. I have hope because it says that in my brokenness, He will mend me. It's my hope that says in my sickness, He will heal me. It's my hope that says in my sinfulness and waywardness, He will restore me and save me. It's my hope. Hope, hope of a, of a life that's better than maybe what I've been told I deserve, maybe a life that I've been handed, maybe a life filled with generational problems and, and abuses, but it's hope that says it could be different. It don't have to be this way. Life, no matter how many ups and downs, life, 
no matter how many trials, no matter how many victories, how seemingly few victories, no matter how much failure, no matter how little triumph, no matter how much happiness and hurt, still hope remains as a result of an understanding of who my Father is. Hope that says my life can be restored. Hope that a life can be connected ultimately to the Father. As a pastor, I have I've been called upon and I've had the privilege to officiate many funerals. You would I'll repeat what I said because you probably thought you misheard me. I've had the privilege and the honor to speak at or officiate many funerals. It is a privilege and it is an honor. But I can tell you that as a pastor, there is, there's no greater joy for me than to stand before the loved ones of the deceased knowing that the one who has died has made their calling and their election sure. God forbid this should happen, Pastor, but if any of y'all plan on dying anytime soon, make sure your calling and election is squared away and you know you're good so that when the pastor stands up, he got joy in his heart when he's talking about your life. See, because when I can stand and I know that the deceased lived their life in such a manner that they found this restoration with the Father. When I can stand there knowing that the deceased had found and realized this hope, oh, it makes it so much better. You see, it becomes a time of rejoicing. Oh, there's sorrow in the parting, but there's rejoicing knowing that there's a glad reunion day that awaits us that have realized this hope. My question for us today is a simple question. The question would be this, and it would be a question that you might consider today. How is your relationship with the Father? How is that relationship today? There is hope I would extend to you. There is hope today that your relationship with the Father, if it's broken, that it can be restored. There's hope today that if it's mended and it's whole, then it can be deeper. We sang the song Freedom today and there's a line in that song, I want to worship deeper than before. That only happens because the connection, the relationship has been restored to the Father and it's growing deeper each day. So how is your relationship with the Father? The great disciple of Jesus Christ, that amazing and most awesome disciple of Jesus Christ. You know the one, the, the one that denied the Lord three times. That awesome disciple. 
You know, that really awesome disciple that tried to cut a man's head off but missed and cut his ear off? You know, the, the greatest disciple of Jesus Christ that, that Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. You remember that awesome disciple? Well, he, he writes in his epistle in Second Peter chapter 1, this very statement that I have made to you a number of times already this afternoon, that we must make our calling and election sure, that we must endeavor to do this, that it is our responsibility to make that happen. You see, the Lord has made the invitation, but it's yours and my responsibility to step into that invitation. He gives us a gift of new life, but it's your responsibility and my responsibility to actually open that gift and put that garment upon our lives. It's required that there be something on our part that this relationship with the Father does not happen simply as a result of good intentions. Well, I'm, I'm going to someday for the Lord. I'm, I'm going to get my life squared away someday for the Lord. I just need a couple more years doing my thing, and I'm going to get right with the Lord as they wipe you out in the intersection because somebody blew the stop sign. Good intentions, the statement says, is what the road to hell is paved with. Not heaven. We have a responsibility to move in this direction of making our calling and our election sure, this passionate pursuit and desire of the Father. If we as people would, would give our lives to Christ and would be born into this, this heavenly family through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there are some things that we know that come as a result of this. We, as the children of God, having been born into His family, can find our way back, just as this prodigal described by Christ, into right relationship with the Father. Verse 20 within our text, within Luke chapter 15, begins the telling of the return of this prodigal to his father in his father's house. But this prodigal's return begins with what I said earlier, realization. But within realization, there is this awareness. You know, it's better at my father's house than I got it here right now. He's, he's offered me all of this stuff, and I keep saying, no, thank you, I'd rather sit in the pig pen and live with my foolishness. No, I don't think so. There's this awareness that it could be better, it should be better, but it requires that I leave where I am and go where He is. This awareness, this awareness that the prodigal portrays, and, and in his awareness he becomes repentant, and he says, I will arise and go to my father and not say, hey, dad, I'm home, what's for dinner? 
No, 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 no. He says, I will go home and I will say, I will repent. I will say, verse 18, Father, I have sinned against thee and before thee. And in this statement, I am no more worthy to be called your son. Uh, he is repentant. He begins the journey back home. He gets up out of his mess and says, I'm not going to stay here anymore. I'm going where the Father is. And the Bible says that when the Father sees the Son afar off, that He doesn't wait for Him to come home so that He can give Him a lecture. I told you you shouldn't have left. How much fun did you have? Now you're broke, you ain't got nothing. I suppose you want a handout. Oh, wait, wait that's what I would have probably did. <laughs> but the Bible says that the Father, representing our Heavenly Father, sees the Son while He was yet afar off. He was a long way down the road. Your Father in Heaven is looking for your return long before you ever come to the place of awareness that you ever left, that you didn't have, and that you needed Him. And the Bible says that while the Son was yet afar off, that the Father runs to Him. Let me say this to you. I, I understand that we all come from different places in life, and we've all made our own choices, and some of us would say, that my choices have been worse than yours, and you would say that your choices are worse than mine. But nevertheless, we're both separated from the Father. And the beautiful thing about the Father is that I love, Pastor, is that when I come to my senses and I realize I need Him, I want to go to Him, and I begin to make my way, no matter how far I've went, He'll bridge the gap. He'll make up all the difference. I won't have to go the whole way. He'll come to me. That's the beautiful thing about the Father. So the Father shows great mercy here within this parable. and He shows love and He shows forgiveness. And restoration takes place. One of the things that I so love about the story is when the Father meets the Son, there's within Jewish cultural history and storytelling, there, there's two schools of thought. One, that the reason why the father met the son before he ever got back to the house, before he ever got back to his hometown, is because the father did not want to bring embarrassment and shame upon himself as the father. Oh yeah, there's that loser that came home. Yeah, that's right. I forgot all about that dad who couldn't keep his kids straight. Eh. That really don't seem like the father I know, but rather this school of thought. He runs to him and meets him before he runs in to any of us. Because it's probably not like this like it is at Parkway, but if that boy was to come in Parkway, there'd probably be a bunch of people... I hope not. 
But that's who we are as people. Oh, yeah, he's back now. But the father runs to him, and watch what he does. He runs and he calls for fresh garments, puts a coat upon him. (laughs) You know, there's something very spiritual within this parable. Puts that coat upon that boy and covers all of his shame, covers all of his filth, covers all of his mistake. That sounds like a lot of what happens when I go down into the waters in Jesus' name and the blood of Christ is applied to my life and my enemy can say, hey, I know this about you and I know this about you and and I know this about you and we can say, yep, you're right, but he covered it, he don't remember it, therefore it don't matter no more. I'm thankful for this. And then he puts this ring upon the boy's finger and... We don't really realize what that means sometimes today in our current context, but that ring was a signet of authority to buy, to sell, to speak, and it should happen. (laughs) Aren't you thankful to have this understanding that as a result of God creating male and female in the Garden of Eden, and, and here we are in perfect paradise, and we mess it up. Thanks, Adam and Eve, by the way. They mess it up. And the relationship with the Father is severed. Because sin cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. And death comes and separation happens. And so we lose it all. We lose it all and we're gone. Oh, but the beautiful aspect of new birth. I repent of my sins. And and He forgives me and and I'm put into the waters and baptized in Jesus' name. And he, he covers me and He puts a clean robe upon me. And he, he puts His name upon my life, that signet. And, and He fills me with His Spirit. And I'm endued with power from on high. And I, I have authority over all the authority of my enemy. I, I, I need you to understand this morning that what God is offering to you and I is a relationship that can be restored with Him that no matter how dark my life may seem, no matter how troubled my life might be, no matter the abuses and the hurts and the hang-ups of my life, He's saying, I can make it better. I can make it straight. I can make it plain. I can give you a greater destiny if you would simply come and be restored to me. You see, there's this, this beautiful thing that happens, and, and I'm hurrying to a close here, but there's this beautiful thing that happens, and I talked about having the, the privilege of standing before families and friends at a funeral and having joy when I know that someone's life has been restored with the Father. You see, when, when a life has found this restoration we can face the transition from this life into the next with joy. We don't have to be apprehensive what's going to happen. Who cares what's going to happen? It's going to be great. I'm going to heaven. But I can face that transition with joy. And 
we can look forward to stepping through the doorway from this life into the next because of a relationship that's been restored. And if it's been restored, the Apostle Peter makes a statement, make sure you're calling an election, right? Make, make sure this is right. But then to paraphrase in Tim Peter's translation this morning, if your pastor doesn't like the translation, he'll fix it. I'm wrong, he's right, okay? But he talked about his little things that he brings, I bring mine too sometimes. But Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 11 in the Tim Peter's translation goes this way. If my relationship has been restored with the Father, I can be assured of this. When I leave this life and I approach heaven's gates, this is what I see. The gates getting kicked wide open. And the Lord of the dance is going to choreograph my triumphal entry into that kingdom. There's going to be shouting and singing. There's going to be celebration. Why? Because I know that my relationship has been restored. That's what I'm assured of. That's why when I know that a believer has had this restored in their life, I'm, I'm a little jealous that they're going before I'm going. It ain't right. I want to be there too, and that day will come. So this, today, it's, it is my prayer. It's our prayer. It's also, I know, the prayer of your pastor and first lady and this pastoral team of this church that each of you would realize this blessed hope of restoration with God, that your relationship would be restored with God. We also... We also know that it is your desire, that's why you're here, to have this relationship. And so this afternoon I would ask, would you be restored to the Father? Would you be restored to the Father? Is, is your life where it should be? Is your life where it could be? Where? Where are you at today? Only you know. We, we all are really good at pretending with one another. And then we go home and live our real lives. But you might fake us, but you ain't faking God. He knows, right? And so as a result, where, where is your life today? Where's it at? I mentioned Adam and Eve. You and I had our relationship with God as humanity, as creation and creator messed up, plunging us into a place of separation from God. No hope. No humanly possible way for us to ever restore that relationship. But again, the prevailing and enduring love of God, my Bible says that before the foundations of the world, he had a plan. He had a plan. And that plan was the way for you and I. That plan was the Father taking on flesh, being born of a woman, and becoming the payment for our debt of sin. My restoration made possible 
by the love of the Father nailed to a cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, and now forever alive to declare that there is an enduring hope. This morning I'm thankful for that hope. Thankful that today you and I have an opportunity to to leave this place with our relationship with the Father restored. And, and it begins like the prodigal, with a realization that moves to a place of repentance, that finds a life that has had all of the sin, all of the thing that kept it separated from the Father, redeemed, restored, made new. Today I... I am sure that I can say this, but if, if you desire to be restored today, I know that this church, this family, this pastoral team would be available to help you with that, to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible way, for the remission of your sins, to encourage you to be able to take the steps that God desires for your life. If you are here today and, and you've already been baptized, you've already found new life, I would challenge us today as people to take time and to make sure that our relationship is well connected with the Savior. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this afternoon and as this team is coming and preparing for our transition, I, I want to say this. There, there are often times in our lives where we say, everything's good in my life. Thank you, preacher. Everything's really good for me today. God's been good to me. God's been faithful to me. And it's in those moments that we would say, in this moment, um, I don't need to go to that altar. But I would say it's in those moments that we need the altar more than in any other time in our life. Because when we realize what He's done for us, oh, there should be this overwhelming attitude of gratitude that springs up within. And as that bubbling brook, as that new well with water bubbling out of it, I come to give thanks. So this morning, I would like to pray for you, and I'm, I'm going to open this altar. I don't know what you're tradition is, but for us, our tradition is we take time and we talk to the Lord. We allow the seed that's been sown into the hearts of our lives to be watered by this presence of God. And so I will invite you to come to this altar, pray in your pew, but talk to the Lord for a little bit before we go. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, again, we just want to say how thankful we are for you. To have this understanding that we are nothing without you. And everything that we are is because of you. We thank you for identity. Identity not only as your creation, but as your children. Children, whether in right relationship with you or in broken relationship. Children, nevertheless. Lord, and today we... We've gathered in this place, Lord, and I pray for those that are here that 
Lord, are beginning to realize that there is hope of a better life. There's hope of a better way that today that they would act on that hope. Repenting, Lord, forgive us of our sin. Committing our lives to you. Being baptized in your name. Standing in a place of right relationship to be regenerated, to be filled with your spirit. Lord, and I pray for each and every one that is here that, Lord, has experienced this restoration, that today you would hear from our hearts, Lord, this overwhelming sound of thankfulness and gratitude, that you would know that you are precious to us and that we love you. I pray you bless this great people, keep them and draw them nearer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open. Would you take time and would you talk to the Lord for just a little bit before you go? God bless you. Hallelujah. The message has been preached. These altars are open. Let's just do what Pastor Tim has said and let us just come before the the Father. He's given us the right to call him Abba. A term of endearment. So we're going to pray, hallelujah. We're just going to take some time and come before his throne. Because just as in the parable, he's looking afar off. And he's looking at you and he's coming running. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, Lord, we just thank you. Hallelujah for this time. I'm asking you to just open your mouth and just wherever you are, just reach out right now by faith. And just say, Lord, I need a new relationship. Lord, I want a deeper relationship. I want to know you. I want you to know me. Hallelujah. As I said, the message has been preached. But we just want to take some time right now and begin that restoration. If you have a good relationship, that's okay. You can hug the Father this morning. You can open your mouth and you can say, thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for all that you have done. You can lift up your voice and worship as we pray. Come on now, let's just take a little bit more time. Thank you, Jesus.